You are listening to episode number 16 of the Addiction Support Podcast. Hi, Oak Creek Wellness family. Welcome to Addiction Support Podcast, where I talk with inspiring people who share their knowledge and experience of addiction and what's working for them. This is addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. I'm your host, Melissa Sue Tucker. My guest today is such an inspiring young man, not only because of the journey that he has been through, but also what he's doing today. Today, he works with people that are in the early stages of their rehab and recovery, and he walks them through just a number of different exercises, and he teaches and helps them connect to their higher power and share some of their darkest secrets and really helps them connect with the fact that you know, all the steps that they need to go through in order to heal and in order to live productive lives, he's involved with that. And he loves that. He feels like that's one of the things that he finds joy in. And I think that's just amazing. He definitely believes in a higher power and that's been life-changing for him as well. And one thing that I want to let you guys know, he sat down with me, you know, fairly, pretty much a stranger. Uh, We were introduced through a mutual friend And that's how we made our connection. But he agreed to come out and have breakfast with me and sit down and share his story with me on his birthday. So I just, you know, he knows that he's giving back and helping other people and he's making a big difference. Really hope that you enjoy the podcast today and get something out of it. And please share it, share it because it was crazy. We were sitting down at, um, breakfast, I was, we, were, we were finishing up breakfast and I asked the waitress if she minded if we recorded a podcast there. She wanted to know what type of podcast it was. So I told her and immediately she said, I just lost my father to a heroin overdose. Everyone you know is affected by this disease. It's it's everywhere. So if you can share it, then you're doing your part in helping us spread the word and say that, you know, recovery is possible and you're doing your part in making the world a better place, which is all at the end of the day, any of us can ask for, right? So I hope that you enjoy the podcast and I will talk to you after the interview. Encouraging, inspirational, and life-changing content that makes a difference. Created specifically for you by oakcreekwellness.com. All right, I'm sitting outside here in uh, this beautiful sunny day in Phoenix, Arizona with my new friend Aaron, who I was introduced to and has an incredible story, both of his own addiction journey, addiction in his family, and what he's doing now to help other people recover and be clean and sober in their journey. So Aaron, if you don't mind, um, I really appreciate you for being on the podcast today. Can we jump right in? Will you share with me how addiction has impacted your life? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, so growing up, um, I lived with, uh, alcoholic, uh, alcoholic father and, you know, he's pretty heavy alcoholic and my mother was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Um, you know, growing up was difficult. Uh, it was either with my mom or my dad and my dad was very, um, emotionally abusive to my mother and I saw it all the time. And, you know, over the years I learned that's probably not how to treat a woman. And, um, so we, you know, we, we lived with my parents for a while, me and my little sister. And, um, it got to a point where it was, it got pretty bad with my, my father being, uh, 
treating my mom very badly. And in the middle of the night, my, my uh, mother had taken my sister in, on a Greyhound bus to San Antonio. And, and um, I, was, I, le- I was left with my dad, who was, after that, very angry. You know, his father had passed away at the same t- around the same time. So his drinking progressed, and it, it just got worse. Um, you know, I used to rather, I would rather hang out with the, the neighbor friends or, uh, their families instead of my dad. You know, I always felt like I was walking on eggshells and, and living in fear. And, um, you know, to give an example of that, um, I sometimes that after my dad went to bed because he was a roofer, he went to bed early, did roofing. So, um, I would walk down the hall and I would tiptoe to the kitchen afraid of him waking up just to get something to eat. And then, for example, um, he woke up one night and he lost it. And after that, he, he chained the fridge shut with a, a chain and a padlock. And he was, he would just make the biggest deals out of the most little things. Um, so, you know, I lived in fear. I always felt like I was doing something wrong. And I feel like today that's, that's actually affected me a lot. You know, whether I'm in a work environment, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm afraid what my boss is going to think. I'm afraid what in relationships, what a girl's going to think. I'm, I'm a, I feel like it's caused me to be like overly try to people please. So, um, fear was always a big thing for me. Um, I guess you could say I was always told that I was the black sheep of the family, you know, the sensitive one, the one who had feelings and, you know, my dad, I would taught me that having feelings like that is, is bad. Um, you know, he even actually even considered me to be, uh, he made references that I was gay because I would go to prom with a girl or, and I didn't do things he saw fit. So always felt like I was never good enough. Um, so I would try to stay away from home as much as possible, hang out with friends. And, uh, by the time I was a senior, I met a girl and, you know, I moved out and lived with her for a while, for a couple of years. And, you know, one thing with me is, uh, I'm very, um, I was very clingy to, to girls growing up. I, I guess you, in a sense, you could say I made them my higher power. And, you know, I sacrificed my friends for this girl and, and, uh, I sacrificed my hobbies and, you know, even some of my own boundaries and my own values, you know, were, were gone. And, uh, you know, in a, in the long run, it, it all, it all ended. The relationship ended and I felt like my, someone had died that really close to me. That's what it felt like. And my whole world was crushed. And that's kind of when my drinking, I was about 18 years old and my drinking started progressing. And, uh, I was, my life was very unmanageable. I was drinking and driving everywhere I went. Um, you know, I was, I was just doing very hostile stuff. And, but by the grace of God, my friends were there for me through it. And, uh, that was, that was awesome. And eventually I met a a woman, uh, that I worked for. I was working at, um, a credit card company, Discover Card and worked there for about four years. was doing pretty good. And I met a woman who (laughs) was married and I was 19. She was 30. She had three kids. She, She was my boss and you know, it, um, it turned from a friendship into, you know, a, a sexual relationship into we're falling in love for each other. And 
she, um, you know, it's something I'm not proud of. Uh, it's something I've done, you know, really harmed a lot of people through that process. And, um, I, uh, I eventually, she said I poisoned her life, um, because of my addiction. I, I fell into using pain pills and spending all my money on pain pills and manipulating this woman into, uh, giving me money. And that's something I was always good at. I was always good at manipulating people and using people to the last drop. And, you know, I, and I truly did have love for this person, but, you know, I, I was, it was, she was right. I was a poison in her life at the time. You know, she had a family and she didn't need some 21 year old, 20, 21 year old kid, um, you know, affecting her life and uh, like that. Um, so after that, uh, once again, I felt like I lost my higher power after we, we split up and, uh, world was crushed and my pain pill addiction, uh, for Percocets progressed into, uh, heroin, smoking heroin. And I started using heroin with my little sister and still felt like, uh, I, I had to be something to like something impress people. So I started bragging that I was using heroin to people cause I was using the hard drugs and I was proud of it. And it just, so, so weird. Um, so eventually, uh, you know, I, I got kicked out of where I was living, um, started everything I had worked hard for, um, you know, my good job and, um, all the money I'd saved, my credit, my, my vehicle, I lost everything. It just all went, all went to crap. And, uh, you know, everything went downhill very quickly. And shortly around, in that same time frame, my, uh, brother, I have two brothers and my, one of my, my oldest brother had called me and told me my, uh, other older brother had committed suicide. Yeah. He had, uh, he had hung himself and that was due to, um, you know, he was unstable and he was in a relationship where a, a girl had been, uh, being unfaithful to him and he just didn't know how to handle it. He didn't have the coping skills to deal with it. And he committed suicide. And after that, it just kind of fed my addiction, gave me more reasons to, to, uh, to use drugs. And, uh, me and my sister would cope with these problems together by using drugs and you know it just got it got bad really quick until eventually i i got arrested and was kind of forced to uh get clean and i you know i actually felt really lucky i had family at that at that point i still had family i had uh, an aunt and uncle who really helped me through this and i tried to get sober on my own free will without any kind of 12 step program or anything like that. And, um, I didn't, I didn't, I stopped using heroin and meth, but I still told everyone I was clean, even though I was drinking. And now today I know what it's like to be completely, uh, fully sober and clean. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. And, um, so back then I was still, uh, a manageable alcoholic, I guess. I don't know. It's, it was very, very insane, insane thinking. But, uh, my drinking, uh, I did learn a lot from, from, uh, you know, drinking, thinking I can manage it. Cause I learned that if I have that drink, it'll, it'll lead to other things. It'll lead to my pill addiction, then lead to meth and lead to heroin. 
then I'll probably steal someone's stuff and help them look for it. And then it just gets really weird. So yeah, it just, uh, drinking it's, it's probably best. I am off all things that make me feel good. Um, so slowly after around that time, uh, my drinking progressed back into my heroin use. Um, I met another woman and I noticed that I'm always, I was always attracted to, uh, kind of miserable situations with when it comes to women. Like I met a, a girl who was a dancer at a strip club who was six years younger than me. Uh, I was, she was 18 and I was 24. Um, so I met, I met her, fell in love and, uh, my addiction, um, had found its way into her life. And that's something I had to actually make amends for and, and, uh, clear that wreckage because I had kind of robbed this little girl from her parents. And, um, it was verbally and physically abusive to this girl and it was a monster. And she, you know, she didn't deserve that. And I mean, nobody deserves that. And we just tore each other apart until she had enough and moved away and, you know, got married to somebody else and still uh, married today, had a baby. She's happy and it's awesome. So, um, once again, my higher power was gone again and didn't know how to cope with it. So the, uh, drug addiction got worse and worse and worse and, you know, I was doing, doing bad things, lying, st- stealing, manipulating people. Um, one of my, one of my darkest times, uh, it got to a point where I w- had solicited, um, my younger sister for sex. And it was a one time thing where it happened. And it, you know, that's something I, it was hard for me to get over and share, you know, it brought a lot of shame and guilt and, 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 you know, just bad feelings. And, uh, now I can, you know, once I start talking about it, I can openly talk about it in a meeting and share. And I've met so many people who've been through similar situations, you know, cause when we're using and we're, and we're, um, powerless over this thing, we're willing, we probably willing to go to any length to, to get our, get our addiction and get our fix. And, uh, I always told myself, you know, I'll never be like my dad, but I was worse than my dad. You know, my, my addiction just grabbed hold of me and made me do things that were unrealistic. And, um, you know, over time, uh, my addiction, my addiction, my drug use, like I said, progressed and it got worse. And eventually, uh, I got arrested. Thank, I thank God every day for that. You know, at the time I thought, this is, this is the worst thing in the world. I want to, I want to commit suicide. Um, you know, I was hopeless. I thought there was no other alternative, uh, besides suicide. And, um, I remember being in county jail, calling my mom, telling her that I'm going to hang myself in jail. If I, she doesn't bond me out with the money that she doesn't have. And my mom's on disability and, uh, she didn't, she didn't have the money to do it. So what I did is I thought, sat in county jail for two and a half months, thought long and hard, uh, read every day or worked out every day, started going, started going to church in county jail. And, uh, you know, I, I was willing to try something new and I'm a very firm believer in, in God or a higher power today. And I wasn't actively seeking God and he was probably right in front of me many times well, in my addiction. But, you know, of course I wasn't seeking him. I turned my back on him. Um, but when I got out of jail, 
I had nowhere to go. My mom and my grandma didn't want me to come over the house. I was clean, but they knew my, my tendencies to relapse. And um, I had never been to treatment before. And then I posted something on Facebook. And this is, for me, this is like proof that there is a higher power, there's a God. I had posted something on Facebook and uh, have nowhere to go. Um, just got out of county jail. I'm glad to put all this behind me. Something very simple on my Facebook. And uh, a friend I had not, had not talked to in like seven years. He had no idea I had an addiction problem. I had no idea he had one. And I'd, I've known him since second grade. But like I said, we hadn't talked in seven years. And he responded hey, where are you going to stay, man? And uh, I said, I have nowhere to go, man. And he said, well, I'm at this place called Crossroads, and I want you to come check it out. And, um, you know, I did. I've never been to treatment, like I said. And, uh, you know, I they I went through, tr- through Crossroads for treatment and worked a 12-step program, and first time doing the deal. And, uh, you know, I've... I've had a, a lot of good experiences working a 12-step program, and um, it's added a lot of structure to my life, motivation. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot done. I'm, I'm a year and a half clean, and uh, thank you. And it's been probably the best year and a half of my whole life. You know, um, I've gotten so much accomplished over this last year and a half. Um, you know, I've I, I sponsor guys. I um, I teach teach uh, classes on addiction, and I have um, I have had relationships with other people in the program, as in uh, girlfriends, and it's it's uh, like it's very it's very beneficial. It's it's uh, rewarding when you can meet people and have have a network of people who um, live by the same principles that you're living by, and. And, you know, being unselfish and, and giving back and what was so freely given to us. And it's, it's awesome. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's been a really cool thing for me. Um, so I, you know, today I'm, I'm clean and I have a job and I want to go back to school and I have dreams. And, uh, if, you know, for anyone that does think that there is no, no hope, or you can't achieve sobriety, that is bullcrap. You can. I'm serious. It's, it's, it's very, very achievable. Um, you just really do have to take it one day at a time. Um, cause there's points where I, you know, it's stuck a, a barrel, uh, a gun barrel in my mouth and wanted to die or try to overdose on purpose, writing suicide notes and, and thought there was no way I will ever be happy again ever and um you know today i'm more happy than i could ever be you know so that's that's all i got so earlier you said something about um not using anymore not doing anything that makes you feel good that's not entirely true what types of things do you do today that make you feel good and bring happiness to you um i would say that uh some of the things i do that make me feel good is uh a big one the biggest one, if I did not do this, uh, I would probably be a wreck is helping other, uh, alcoholics or addicts. Um, you know, seeing somebody, uh, get, get it or, um, find true happiness and knowing you can be a part of that. That's, that's the best feeling ever. Um, you know, spending time with a lot of my friends who also work rec- uh, a program in recovery. Um, those are some of the things that, that make me feel good for sure. 
I'm going to give you a little bit of support. When we were talking earlier, Aaron said that he has a dream to eventually open either a rehab or a home to assist people through this. So if you guys are listening and you know Aaron, you can reach out to him and encourage him on that path. I don't think he needs to wait a whole long time to make that happen. I think he has a lot of skills and a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge. And I think the world needs you to do something like that. It would be a better place if you did. The purpose of the podcast is more addiction support for people like the friends and the family. What advice do you have to somebody that maybe they're not the addict themselves, but they love somebody that is? What should they do? What should they not do? What can they say? What can they not say? What would make a difference? Um, I would say if you have uh, someone you're really close to or a loved one uh, who struggles with addiction, I mean, even me being clean and sober today, I still have loved ones who suffer from addiction. Um, what I can recommend, and it's just a, a suggestion, is you got to let everyone experience their own path. Um, I know that's very hard to do, you know, um, but when someone, you can't force someone to get clean that doesn't want to get clean. Um, they have to find that on their own, and I had to find that on my own. There was nothing anybody was ever going to tell me to to make me get clean. I had to be desperate. That was the biggest thing is I had to feel desperate, to, uh, and I had to hit rock bottom before I can could want to get clean and um, that's I can I recommend be supportive love these people but at the same time from a distance and uh, to not enable them in their addiction because I know me as a recover uh, as a drug addict I I was very good at manipulating and getting what I wanted from my loved ones and some of the uh, some of the things I came up with, and ideas and excuses to get what I wanted are unreal. It's unreal. And, um, you know, the biggest thing is I could, I could recommend is just, you know, not enable these people, love them from distance. What advice do you have for somebody that might be listening that is in the midst of their addiction right now? I would recommend going to a meeting, reaching out, being honest because willingness, willingness and honesty is key. Um, if you're willing to go to a meeting, go to a meeting and meet somebody and let's start there because the biggest thing for me today is the network of people I have and the friends I have in the program and if you can go to a meeting and start building that network that you know that's you're not in this alone you, you know you have people that are willing to help you and are waiting for you thank you very much for being on the podcast are there any other tips and tricks anything on your heart that you'd like to share um, I would say um, the biggest thing, like, and I said it before, is just give back. You know, um, selfless acts, help other people, give back what was so freely given to us. Um, that's the biggest thing. So I just want to say happy birthday. Aaron's out here doing this with me on his birthday, which is a huge give back in and of itself, I think. I really appreciate you. Thank you for coming out and sharing your story with us. All right. I hope that you guys enjoyed that podcast. Please share it. Subscribe if you use Apple products. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review. You know, that'll help other people find us. And I really appreciate you for doing that. One thing I want to share with you guys is how important your voice is. Um, as of 
I'm, I'm recording all this on March 3rd. So yesterday, March 2nd, I took my 18-year-old son down to the Arizona State Senate, and there was a meeting that was going on for the health committee, and they were hearing, um, I guess, arguments for and against the HB 2355. What that is is basically a bill that Arizona were trying to get passed, and that will put uh, naloxone or Narcon, into layman's hands. Right now in 42 states, so depending on where you're listening to me, you might be able to go to Walgreens or uh, whoever your CVS, whoever your pharmacy is, and get uh, Narcon. Or you might be able to go to your doctor and get it. I know California is one of the states that you can do that. And there's, like I said, 43 states that do that. So we're trying to get that passed in Arizona. And... um, We're a little bit behind (laughs) in a lot of ways, and this is just another one. Anyway, the senators that were listening, that were on the committee, they had some questions. They wanted to know what would happen if somebody got the injection and they didn't actually have an OD. It's a valid question. And so I'm going to link up the video to that hearing if you're interested. But one of the things that I think is just so amazing is I took my 18-year-old son, who's a millennial and thinks that you know everything's wrong and he doesn't have a voice. And he got to get up and share why he would like to see our state have this um, available to people who want and need it. And he got to see the senator's start out at the beginning saying they needed more information. They were going to put it on hold till the next meeting. Um, And then through the course of my son's testimony and other people's testimony that were there at the end, they decided to pass that bill unanimously. So now it's going to the Arizona uh, State Senate for, I guess, the floor. I don't understand all this stuff with politics, but it's going to the floor and they're, they're going to vote on it. So fingers crossed, hopefully we'll be doing what everybody else is doing. And if you think, you know... Like a lot of people do. Oh, this is going to allow people to do more drugs and not have any side effects. No, this is giving people an opportunity to see how valuable their life is. It's giving them another chance at life. And quite honestly, the CDC recently did a re, uh, a study and showed that the highest group, I guess the fastest growing group of ODs are 45 and ages five, 45 and older. And it's people that are taking the prescribed amount of opioids that are prescribed by their doctor. So if you or someone you love is taking um, medicine or is using heroin, you know, you want to have that in your home because it could save somebody's life. Very, it's saving lives all over the U.S. on a daily basis, um, probably more so. Anyway, I wanted to share that with you because I thought it was exciting. I'm going to link to video and um, just more information on how you can get involved in your local government to make a difference because your voice does matter and we need you guys to be a part of the solution. Um, That's all I have for this week. I don't have anything to sell, anything to pump out. I'm going to put all this in the show notes at addictionsupportpodcast.com forward slash episode 16. And until next week, I love you. I appreciate you. And I see you surrounded with light and love. Thank you for listening to the Addiction Support Podcast. Addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. www.addictionsupportpodcast.com 